Hey, welcome to the Church Home Podcast. My name is David and I'm the CEO here at Church Home and I'm so glad that you joined us today. In just a moment, you're gonna hear an encouraging message from Judah around the person of Jesus and his love for you. And hey, if we can serve you in any way, please do not hesitate to reach out and chat with a pastor on our pastor chat tool, which you can find on our website or on the Church Home app. And if you've been impacted in any way by this message, we wanna invite you to join those who so generously give to tell the story of Jesus across this globe. Go ahead and visit us on churchhome.org give or text the word generosity to 97,000. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this message. so excited to be here at Parlor Donuts in Denver, Colorado. Hey, if you've never been to Denver, you've never been to Colorado, you got to get here. Uh, the air is crisp and clean. The water is easy to drink. Um, I asked for water the other day. I think I already mentioned this in the series. And someone just got a glass, opened the faucet, and they just handed it to me. And I was like, where are we? You just drink water from the faucet? We're in Colorado. This is wild. Uh, but we've already met friends here in Denver, and there are so many people practicing their faith with Church Home in the city of Denver. I hung out uh, last night with a couple of friends who have moved to Denver, and what a beautiful city. And I also want to say a big hello to all the wonderful churches here in Denver, Colorado. I've got dear friends who pastor and lead in this city. It is such an important city, a beautiful city. And uh, again, we're happy to be here. Now, I'm a big donut guy. That might be shocking to you. I gave up donut uh, eating for the Lord uh, or, or for my figure. Um, but like I said, I have discovered, I literally just, just used uh, the employee bathroom. I don't want to brag. I used the employee bathroom down the stairs here. And downstairs, there were all these signs about gluten-free, vegan-friendly, keto donuts. They're like sugar-free. So this is a shameless plug for Parlor Donuts. You got to get to one of their 16 locations and um, get skinny. I mean, who knew you could hammer donuts and get skinny? So thank you, Parlor Donuts. This is amazing. Um, if you haven't been joining us, I want to say welcome. Welcome to a series we've been doing entitled Dream Again. We're starting the new year. It's 2023, which I honestly cannot believe it is 2023. That is wild. And I know I already said this, but like the year 2000, still seems like a few minutes ago to me. Like, Y2K, is that you? Like, uh, the young people here do not agree. Um, but those of us that have been around a little bit, it's like, I'm pretty sure I just prepared for Y2K, like, uh, about a week ago. And it is 23 years after the year 2000. That blows my mind, and that's how middle-aged people talk. Okay, we're going to keep moving. But here's the point. As the new year begins, we're doing a collection of talks entitled Dream again. It occurred to me, really in my own life, that we have been through some unprecedented days. We've been through some challenging days, some difficult days. Uh, global pandemic, for instance. Uh, hopefully, in your lifetime and mine, uh, we will never experience something so peculiar, painful, challenging, difficult, and frankly, unknown. I'm sure it's uh, fresh on all of our minds how unknown it was, how fast this uh, pandemic spread and the fear and the concern and the anxiety that seemed to touch and affect us all. As we start a new year, I get the sense that we need to dream again. And the scripture that really captured me was Hebrews 
Hebrews in chapter 12, and it says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For the joy set before him. That's dream talk. That's vision talk. There was a joy. There was a perspective that Jesus had as he went to the cross that evidently gave him steadfastness, gave him endurance, helped him through those excruciating six hours. And I believe the joy set before him was you. I think the joy set before him was me. He saw us in the future. He knew that he, the superhero of the universe, could make a way for human beings to go home and live forever, which is really what I want to touch on in this part too. I want to title this talk, The City of Dreams, The City of Dreams. Let me start by asking this question. Um, Have you ever heard that statement, I can't catch a break? I just can't catch a break. I've had a few friends who have been very successful in their field, and even sometimes they'll say, I just can't catch a break. And I'm like, well, actually, you're at the top of your field. You make a lot of money, and you do pretty well for yourself. So actually, I think you do get a lot of breaks. It doesn't really matter who you are. Whether you uh, are still looking for a condo or an apartment, you live in a mansion, you have the corner office, you're the CEO, or you're hoping that someone picks up your resume and calls you back for an interview. Wherever we are, we all can experience that in life, that sensation that like, man, when are things going to turn around for me? When are things going to get better for me? When are things going to be not so difficult and not so challenging? That's really what I've been going through lately. It's like, is everything going to be hard? Like, honestly, is everything going to be difficult? And that might sound so simple, but Chelsea and I today had a little lunch. I had a Cobb salad. I don't want to brag. I didn't have any donuts. And I, I literally went to pour this pure Colorado water into my glass. And the water just poured into my hand, in down my sleeve, into my sweater. And I just, I'm like, that has been kind of a microcosm of the last several weeks of life. It's just like, there's been a lot of spilling. There has been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of difficulty. I told someone recently in a conversation, I think everyone in my life right now, all of my close friends are going through one of the great tests, trials, and difficulties of their whole adult life. Betrayal, pain, loss, misunderstanding, loss of job, misunderstood in the job that they do have. And so here we are. Happy New Year right? Do you feel right now where you sit? Man, I just like something to go in my favor. But I certainly know what that feels like. And it's such a real feeling and a real sensation. And you know, by the way, a lot of people will argue in this life, well, look at your life, add up all the blessings. Aren't you blessed? But sometimes it's really hard to see the fact that you have oxygen in your body the fact that you can hear me speaking right now. There's so many little blessings we have, and I know that and you know that. Life can get hard. It's really all relative in a way. There are challenges and there are pains. And so, sure, this message could go in the direction where I tell you, hey, as long as you wake up in the morning and you're forgiven by Jesus, you should be happy. Life should be okay. You should have perspective. But the truth is, whatever you're facing might be a loss of job. It literally might be as simple as a a family member who's misunderstood your motives. And yet, it's painful, isn't it? If you're not careful, you start to get the perspective that maybe everything's against me. Maybe things aren't going to work out. So if you have ever felt that way, or if you feel that way right now, this message and this sermon, I dedicate to you. Because I'd like to show you that actually 
I believe everything's going to turn around. That inserts our character of investigation and study for this particular message, and that's Abraham. It says in Hebrews in chapter 11, and I'm going to read it from my phone. It says in Hebrews 11 and verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he, was, he had not received yet as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in the foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And this is the verse that just captured my attention the last few days. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He was looking forward to heaven. He was looking forward to heaven. I know this might sound odd, but in the next few minutes, I want to show you that by thinking about heaven, dreaming about heaven, anticipating heaven, it'll actually give you perspective and give you energy and strength to endure being misunderstood by your family or a loss of job or maybe a diagnosis from the doctor. I want to remind you this isn't home, but we are going home. Now, a little bit of background on Abraham that you may not know that's actually really interesting. Did you know that Abraham lived with his dad and his mom until he was 75? That is, uh, he must have been Italian. I'm kidding. Come on, Italian jokes. Everybody relax, right? But he, he was enjoying, you know, a pretty predictable life. 75, all is well, he's happy. And obviously in those days, ages were somewhat different. But nonetheless, 75 is 75. It was at 75 years old that God calls Abram, which means father. And he calls him Abraham, which means the father of an entire nation. And he says to Abram, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something great with you. The story begins in Genesis 15. So at 75 years young, Abram, soon to be Abraham, he begins to move. He leaves his father's tent. He leaves his father's property, his father's land, and he begins to venture out. And quite frankly, for the next two decades, chaos ensues. He experiences famine. He experiences tyranny. He experiences marriage complications. How about that one? Maybe you're watching this and going, when is my marriage going to catch a break, right? Marriage drama. How about extended family drama? Abram's nephew was kidnapped. His wife is taken by another man. Now, he might have kind of lied on that one, but that is serious marriage drama. This guy goes through all kinds of pain and all kinds of loss and God gives him a promise, that promise isn't fulfilled for 25, 30. Some argue it could have been 35 years until the promise that God had given this man was fulfilled. Isn't it funny, though, you, like, you read about old characters, or if you're like me, you, you go into museums or you see old photos of old people, and you, you, you kind of romanticize their life. You kind of be like, ah, man, must have been nice back then. And I admit, I do dream about the time before social media and, tech and technology a little bit, right? It was a little simpler. Just kind of react to whatever's around you and in front of you at that moment. But nonetheless, Abraham was a guy just like you and me. He was pretty happy. Life was good. God called him and life got bad. How about that? You ever been there? You ever like, life was great. You had no conscience. You do whatever you want. 
And then somebody told you the story of Jesus and you felt, oh my word, Jesus is real. I want to receive Jesus. And you recognize that you do have error, wrong, and selfishness and sin in your life. And you realize that Jesus became your sin in this excruciating six-hour crucifixion. And he, he, he rose from the dead just like he predicted. And that story becomes your life and it becomes the very thing you believe in the most. And by definition, you become a Jesus follower and a Christian. And you're like, this is amazing. And all hell breaks loose in your life. I had a friend who decided to follow Jesus and his mom and dad kicked him out of his house and said, you're no longer a part of this family. What happens when the call of God brings pain, heartache, and loss? That is oftentimes, I shouldn't say oftentimes, that's probably an exaggeration, but sometimes that is in fact what happens. If you're like me, like I gather and I've been going to church, man, my whole life. And I got to admit, I've never been in church in a, in a donut shop. And the smell is absolutely what I hope heaven smells like. I must admit, I'm really hoping this is what heaven smells like. And I'm really glad to uh, announce that in heaven, uh, there'll be no calories. So all I'll do is eat donuts and I will never eat broccoli again. But I've been in church my whole life. And I wish that every time we got together, I could tell anybody that you follow God, everything will work out. You trust Jesus and your life will just be Strawberry shortcake and donuts and cookies and cream milkshake, you know, and ice cream. And, but life is hard, isn't it? You're watching this right now, and maybe I don't know you. Maybe we don't know each other. The moment I said, can you catch a break, you thought, how does he know? Well, because I know in my own life it feels that way. This has been an extended, difficult, challenging season. What does God encourage us with? I read the story of Abraham, and I ask myself, how did he keep going? Now, there is a little bit of encouragement that I get from Abraham, and that is that he's not perfect. Okay? He lies about his wife. He ends up, uh, his wife and him kind of figure out, maybe God's not going to do what he said, so why don't you uh, sleep with uh, the housekeeper, basically, and you guys can make a baby, and that's Ishmael. So they take things into their hands, or their own hands. It gets complicated. There's sex involved. Like, it gets Pretty, pretty gnarly, right? Kind of a Game of Thrones episode. Like, it's not great what happens in a, but he keeps going. He doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. And the question is how? How are you and I going to keep going? How are you and I going to try, by the grace of God, to make the most of every day? How are you going to trust God when you start to feel a prompting in your gut, a prompting in your heart that you're supposed to move? You're supposed to go. You're supposed to risk. You're supposed to make changes. I think of the young couple that is involved with Parlor Donuts. I think of the risk that they're taking to step out and start these businesses. And then in multiple locations now, they're opening up on Sundays for people to get donuts and participate in church. That's a risk. That's wild. There's no guarantees. That's incredible. Where do people get that kind of energy? Where do people get that kind of strength? You know my story. I was the youth pastor here at this church. I was happy to be the youth pastor for the rest of my life. My dad gets diagnosed with cancer. The board comes to Chelsea and I and says, hey, we, we think you're supposed to take over the church. I was no more prepared to take over the church than play point guard for the Portland Trailblazers. You know, like I, I, I just was like, okay, I guess. In the first six months of leading the church, I exhausted every good sermon I had and had not much more to say. 
by that point, I'm looking at this congregation of a few thousand people, and they're looking at me like, we miss your dad. And I'm thinking, I miss my dad, and what are we doing? There's no guarantees in life. Life is full of turns that are risky and unknown and unfamiliar. What's going to give us the energy to keep going? I wonder if the same thing that gave Abram and Abraham energy to keep going in the midst of such calamity and challenge and sometimes calamity of his own making, I wonder if heaven is supposed to be a much more prominent part of our daily life. And obviously, you know what I'm calling it, the city of dreams. We all got dreams. But I think there's a dream that we're supposed to dream as a church. I think there's a dream we're supposed to dream as a community. And I think it's the dream of Abraham. I think it's the dream of God. It's the city that God built, Hebrews says. It's a city that's literally built by the everlasting God, and it's an everlasting city. I am happy to announce that we're going somewhere. It's an eternal city. It's a city the asphalt is gold. The gates are pearls. It's an everlasting city. There is no rust, and there is no rot. It is perfect. There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no pain. There is no disappointment. There is no misunderstanding. There is no error. There is no selfishness. There is no sin. There is only perfection. There is perfect peace, perfect righteousness, perfect joy. And that's where you're headed. And you get in for free if you simply receive the finished work of Jesus. How is that everlasting city not informing us how to live in these temporary cities? How are you and I, and I honestly, I'm compelled by my own shortcomings and my own short-sightedness. How is it that I spend so much of my days completely consumed and encased with only the here and the now? Only career, cars, shoes, stuff, my hair, my complexion. Are you like me? You ever have those still moments in the morning going, I don't know if I'm supposed to be so preoccupied with all this stuff. I fly in a lot of airplanes these days, and you can imagine the different conversations I've had with perfect strangers. And if you're from this country, United States of America, the American dream is so pervasive. And I, I mean to throw no shade. I, I think it's a wonderful concept, and in so many ways, I am grateful for this country. But nonetheless, I, I want to be clear, I am not talking about the American dream. This isn't just about your 401k. This isn't just about how long your dog can live. Although I, I do want to add, all dogs do go to heaven. And I believe I can prove that in scripture, but that's not for this particular episode or sermon. I believe God wants us to be more preoccupied with eternity. I believe we're supposed to dream about the city that is everlasting. I think we're supposed to talk about it more. I really do. In fact, when the Jesus' disciples saw Jesus praying, they were so mesmerized by how long he prayed and the way he prayed because their prayers weren't like that. They had learned from kind of public pompous priests who had basically told them, like, when you pray, pray all sophisticated. And so when they saw Jesus pray, it was like the cry of his heart. He was on his face. He was on his knees. He's calling out to the Father. He's having communion, fellowship, intimate connection. And they were like, teach us to pray. And he says, okay, when you pray, start by addressing God as your Father. And then... As you begin to talk to him, I want you to remember where he is. Our Father who art in heaven. Think about it. The, the 12 guys following Jesus around for three and a half years see him talking to the Father, and they say, can you teach us how to do that? 
He says, yeah, let me tell you where you start. You start with father and where he is. His name is Father. He lives in the city of dreams. And I want you to think about that. I want you to see him in the everlasting city who only has one architect and one builder, and it is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. I want you to imagine what it is to be free from the chaos and calamity of this self-serving planet called Earth and imagine perfect peace, perfect reconciliation, perfect justice, perfection, because that's where you're going, and that's where I'm going. I look at Abraham's journey, and and I got to be honest with you, I get a lot of energy today. I get a lot of energy. I need that same stamina. I need that same steadfastness. I need that same faithfulness in my life. I think when we dream about heaven, we got to dream again, church. Let's dream about our home. This isn't it. This isn't home. Don't don't treat this place like it's home because it's not. The most important thing in this place is you. The most important thing in this is people. It's not programs. It's not procedures. It's not policies. It's not popularity. It's not, it's people. It's always, forever, always been people and people connecting with the one who made them. How could anything be more important than that? So let's not forget, through all the pain and all the challenges, and and, and I don't know about you, but the pain and the challenges and the calamity and complications of this life, they really, really want to take over your mind and your thoughts and your emotions. Have you noticed? They become consuming. They say anxiety, fear, and worry is at an all-time high in our culture. Now, can we prove that historically throughout human history? I'm not sure, but nonetheless, It is an epidemic, is it not? Everyone I talk to, at some point or another, if we talk long enough, anxiety comes up. Man, I I just feel so anxious. I feel so unsettled. I feel so uneasy. Dream about the city of dreams. Why don't we talk more about heaven as Christians? Isn't that weird? When's the last time you had coffee at Parlor Donuts? By the way, they got great coffee. They got, they got avocado toast here. I don't know if you know that. On sourdough. So if you're gluten-free, you can do the sourdough, typically speaking. Um, when's the last time you came to a cafe like this and sat down with someone and said, can you tell me what you think heaven's like and I'll tell you what I think heaven's like? And then we'll go from there. It says that Abraham, he kept thinking about heaven. And I'll talk about that in just a few moments. But I want to show you four things that I think begin to happen and transpire in your mind and your body when you dream about heaven. Number one, it makes this life what it actually is. When you dream about heaven like Abraham, you make this life what it is, short, temporary, feeble and fading, because that's what it is. Now, please don't take offense to this, but I know for sure that this life is feeble and fading because it is happening to my body. I mean, if you wake up at 44, it is a lot different. Last night I hung out with a 24-year-old friend, a 34-year-old friend, and I'm 44, okay? So we were spanning 20 years right there. The 24-year-old never mentioned any soreness in his body. The 34-year-old, he mentioned some soreness. The 44-year-old said, I can't actually play in the basketball game 
because that won't work for me tomorrow morning, right? Like, we are degenerating, man. We are like, the other day, I've told you this before, Drew. The other day, Chelsea's like, you should do some, like, arm exercises. And I was like, excuse me, are you saying? Yeah, that's exactly what she's saying. She's like, remember those, like, little biceps that I thought were kind of cute and sexy? They're gone. They're gone. And now your elbow and your forearm are like, it's just one continuous thing. It's just beautiful, the symmetry that I have between my bicep and my forearm, right? Like, this is outrageous. We're all growing old. We're all dying. What do they say? Up until like 20, the body's kind of like regenerating. In 2021, the body just starts to decline. We're dying. This is brief. This is short. It's a vapor. We're not going to be here long. So let's talk about where we are going and let it put this life in perspective. And I wish I could tell you I could take the pain away, but I could tell you this about your pain. I can give you some perspective around it. It won't last. I love that about storms in nature because even nature can declare the goodness of God and the grace of God because storms come, but guess what? They always go. I promise if I could, I still want to be the pastor that can promise an entire church that they'll never go through storms if they do X, Y, and Z. But that's not in the Bible. In fact, by following Jesus, you might encounter more storms than you would have otherwise. It's true of Abram, true of Abraham. I believe that when we dream about heaven, it makes this life what it really is. Number two, when we dream about heaven, it makes the call of God a priority. And I know that sounds a little bit kind of elusive, a little bit kind of subjective. Well, what, what's the call of God? We don't talk about it a lot, but it's real. We try to explain the call of God. The call of God is the pull you feel, the push you feel, the thoughts that are starting to fill your mind. It's time to move. It's time to go. We got to go. Where are you going? I don't know. But God's on the move, church. We are not a stagnant church. We are not a church for one city. We're a church for cities and countries all over the world. The operative word is go. He said, until I return, you go. You serve. You love. You listen. You care. Wherever you're going, I know you're going because God is with you and he's called you to go there and he's already there. Tonight, before we turn on this camera, a friend of mine texts me, hey, I just moved to Denver. You know any good churches? It was on this day. He's sitting right over here. And I said, I'm in Denver right now. He said, what? I said, we got lots of people going to church home in Denver. In fact, we're recording sermons at a donut shop. He's like, shut up, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say as a pastor in a sermon. He said, shut up, I'm coming. And he's here right now. I believe that God called my friend to Denver. The calling of God is real and tangible, but it's also subjective. And it's also something that happens deep in your heart. You suddenly know. There's a couple here in the donut shop that used to live in Snoqualmie, and now they live in Boulder. They made the drive to be here at the donut shop, and they're hosting church home in their home in Boulder, Colorado. Can't we not conclude that God called them from Snoqualmie to Boulder? You start to dream about heaven. Comfort, retirement, and convenience do not become the priority. The call of God does. And you know, our culture says at a certain age, and you already know it's set in 17 years, I am going to retire as your preacher, and I am going to go to the desert, but I'll never stop following the call of God. There's always a new chapter. 
There's always a new season. There's always something fresh. Maybe in 2023, God would call you. And, you know, sometimes we think in terms of moving from Stoquami to Boulder or L.A. to Denver, like some of my friends here have. But, you know, sometimes it's actually walking across the street to meet the neighbor you never met. It's the call of God. It becomes such a priority when you dream about forever. When you dream about the city of dreams, you start to go, man, the call of God is important. And, you know, for parents out there, can I say, you want your kids to know Jesus? You want your kids to know the adventure of following Jesus? I'll tell you the best way for your kids to know how to follow Jesus by watching you follow Jesus. Mom, Dad, what are we doing? Trust in God. We're moving. God's asked us to move. How do you know? Did God like audibly speak to you? No, son, I couldn't handle that. No, it's just something mom and I felt. We prayed about it. We talked to some trusted people in our community. They felt pretty good about the decision. And so we're stepping out, believing. And by the way, you know, oftentimes people get all hung up like, well, maybe it wasn't the call of God. Well, if you believe that it is, I believe God will meet you there. We're not going to make perfect decisions, but and trust the call of God. Trust the wooing of God and the ideas and the innovation that he's given you. Maybe the call of God for you is to actually put that idea in motion. Maybe you end up selling an invention because you're making the call of God a priority. I believe when we dream about heaven, not only do we make this life what it is, not, not only do we make the call of God a priority, but I think number three, we, we make knowing no longer necessary. No longer necessary. Man, 44, I got so many stories about this. As a young man, I used to feel that God would fill me in on everything before I started to move. I was, I was convinced. I, I said, well, you know, if you're going to follow God, he tells you everything, and then you go. And then I started to follow God, and it's never worked like that. He's never told me all the details beforehand. It's always been en route. It's always been in transit. It's always been in the pilgrimage. God would show me another piece and another. And, and by the way, I think that's partly the grace of God. I'm going to be honest with you, church home. I love you so much. But had I known some of the pain that I would go through as a lead pastor, I'm not sure I would have took this position, okay? It ain't easy being a lead communicator in 2023, but here we are. But God is gracious and he knows. But knowing's not necessary. When was knowing necessary in this life? Now, I trust God. And God, I don't got all the facts. And I don't know how this is all going to work out. And I don't know all the details, but we're going to trust you. It says Abraham set out not knowing where he was going. That sounds so poetic, but it's not. It's not poetic. It's painful. He literally started to move. This is the most arbitrary metaphor or example but have you ever started to move your car before your maps clicked into the route you're going to? Chelsea literally just comes unhinged. And her unhinged is nothing, by the way. It's like, babe, what are you doing? Mine is like, what is going on? You know, and, and she's like, we don't have the maps yet. We don't know. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to wing it. I think it's left here. You know, and it's like, oh, no, what are you doing? You can't drive the car until the maps are clear. And yet that's the life of faith. And when we attach ourselves to the city of dreams, we say, I love how people over the years at Church Home, Pastor, um, can you explain in a little more detail the vision of our church? And my answer's been, no, not really. What do you mean? Uh, God hasn't colored it in for me yet. 
God hadn't filled in a lot of the blanks. Well, that is just an, that is unethical for you as a leader to lead thousands of people down a path you're not sure. That's what he does. Abraham is the father of many nations, and he goes out not knowing where he's going. You may know you're moving to Boulder. You may know you're moving to Denver. But you don't know everything that's going to happen when you get there. But no, not knowing isn't necessary anymore. I know who my God is. I know I'm going to spend eternity with him. Man, when we make heaven a priority, we allow heaven to invade our conversations and our thoughts. I believe it makes not knowing necessary. Lastly, number four, I think it makes comfort not essential. It makes comfort not essential. I want to make um, a confession. I believe that I have missed opportunities from God because I chose comfort. It just felt I didn't want to be uncomfortable. You ever been there? You're just tired. You ever get that knowing in your know where you're supposed to, and you're just like, God, not tonight. I'm tired. Go over, tell that person I love them, and give them the cash in your pocket. Like, no, that's weird. I'm not doing that. I'm at a donut shop. God, that's weird. I don't want to do that. And then I went home, drove home, and I knew, and that's the smallest example. There are much bigger ones that I'm too embarrassed to admit to, but comfort sometimes plays a significant role in my life. When I dream about heaven, knowledge, comfort, these things just aren't a priority. They're not necessary. They're not essential. I encourage you, most comfortable place in the world, that's not the word, the safest place in the world is walking with Jesus. I've said it before, but the safest place in the world is right behind Jesus. I recognize that the way that I'm talking right now is probably not ideal. For instance, if I preached like this every sermon, it'd be like, Judah, we are all just going through a lot of pain right now. And you just keep talking about moving and starting and trying and risking and stepping out. And I mean, I am just trying to change my kids' diapers. And all you're talking about is, well, I, I think the diapers should be changed. But I think you should remember why you're here. We're here to connect with God, connect with each other, and we're here to change the world. Aren't we? Aren't we here to change the world? People have asked, why, why did church home change so much? Why have you made adjustments? Because I'm, we're here to change the world. <laughs> we're going to spend thousands and reach millions, and yet we had been spending millions and reaching thousands. So we're here to change the world. Serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Joseph. I mean, these men God used to alter countries and continents. Joseph becomes the prince of Egypt. Moses, the prince. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, this is, God wants to use you and me to play a part in seeing the world meet his son, Jesus. I encourage you. Lastly, and I end, and I'm done here, Parlor Donuts for part two. Bible says he, he kept thinking. One translation says that Abraham continuous, continuously received the city, the eternal city, which here's the key. Here's what I believe God's trying to say to us right now as a community. Let's allow heaven talk and heaven thoughts to invade our daily life. And I believe it'll produce that same courageous, steadfast, passionate commitment to whatever is ahead of us and all that God has for us. And here is my last statement of the sermon. Do not proceed with caution.
Don't you dare. Don't you dare proceed with caution. Life is short. We'll be dead soon. And we'll pass this faith to another generation. But until then, let us proceed with passion, not caution. Let us proceed with purpose, not comfortability. Let us proceed with intentionality, not convenience. Let's go all in. Now we're making Las Vegas, you know, metaphors. But let's go all in. Trust God with every day. Believe that he could use us even in small ways to change our world. 2023 is no time to be on our heels. It's time, church, to be on our toes. And let's trust God into the unknown and all that he has for you, your children, your grandchildren. I believe the same God who met Abram and Abraham is the same God meeting you and meeting me. Let me pray. God, we thank you for the sacred minutes and moments we share. It is so cool to be in the middle of a donut shop having church. We do pray a blessing on Parlor Donuts and this entire business in all of its multiple locations across the country. We pray a blessing on the family and this business. And God, we pray a blessing on your people today. Thank you. If you're watching and you'd like to receive the free gift of Jesus, can't earn it, deserve it, warrant it, and just receive it. If you'd like to receive it, just say it out loud. I receive it. I receive him. It's done. It's finished. You're loved. You're forgiven forever. We can serve you in any way. It is why we are here as the church home community. I love you, church. I can't wait to share more episodes with you on this topic, Dream Again.